Cheers, Martin. That's great. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you all uh, this morning. We are um, into week two of our well-being series, and today we are talking about physical well-being. And because everyone likes a story, I want to I wanna start by telling us a little story, a personal story um, that happened in my life. So this is way back when, just a few years ago, when I was 19. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and I was second year at university, a month into my second year at university, and I woke up one morning and I couldn't walk. So my joints had swollen up, my knees were massive, but also my hips, my elbows, my fingers, um, and I was in all sorts of pain. And so my housemates at the time, they literally carried me down into a taxi, put me in a taxi. I uh, went to a hospital in Liverpool and spent the next 10 days or so in that hospital. Um, and then when I had uh, recovered just a little bit, I ended up going home, uh, back to London, and spent the next months, um, actually, just at home, where I turned off my phone. I didn't want any contact with the outside world. I was feeling utterly down and depressed. It was a horrific moment in, um, in my life, one of the most challenging. And yet through that situation, I ended up encountering Jesus, and he changed everything. So what happened was, um, when I was sufficiently well enough, uh, my brother, who was part of Southwest London Vineyard uh, down south, he uh, invited me along. I went, I went along. There was someone preaching. I don't remember a word that they said. Uh, hopefully that won't be the case at, at the end of today's message. I don't remember what I was responding to when I went up for an altar call at the end. But what I do remember is encountering God's presence and power in that moment as someone prayed for me. Now, they, they don't know the consequence of that prayer, um, which is quite amazing in itself. I just think as we pray for people, you don't always know the, 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 um, the effect that it has in that moment. But it was that moment where I encountered God. And so when I went back up to Liverpool... I found myself a church. I rededicated my life to God. Um, I acknowledged him as my Lord and my Savior. Um, I, I began to get a glimpse, a little understanding of what Jesus had done for me and how he brought me from a place of death into a place of life. And everything changed. So I, um, I got myself plugged into that church. Um, I didn't join the coffee team, but I did join things like the youth work and um, helped out on Alpha and even played bass on the, in the worship band. And I just, it was a small church. <laughs> they needed a bass there. Um, and I, I got myself as involved as possible and my life began to reflect who, the person that I was now serving in, in Jesus. So that was my story. And it's at this moment that I love to say um, that God, having um, almost used this tragic situation, having used this, uh, the trauma that, that I went through, bringing me back into relationship with him, he then healed me. I love that to be the next part of this story. But that's not actual, that's not my reality. So 21 odd years later, 
I'm still taking immunosuppressants. I still have times where my joints are swelling up or they, I have, I have flare-ups. And um, yeah, that, that's part of my story, much as I'd love for him to have healed me. But I do know that Jesus cares about my body. He really does. He cares about our bodies. So as part of today's message on physical well-being, we're going to look specifically at healing as well. We're going to look at what the Bible says about healing, um, how we should pray for people. As part of this story, actually, at the church that I joined in Liverpool, there was a visiting um, preacher, and he, um, he was praying for healing. And so I was like, yeah, I want a piece of that. So I uh, responded, went up to the, to the front, and he prayed for me. And then he declared, look, um, you're healed. And I was like, well, I don't feel healed. So I asked him about that. He was like, no, you just have to walk into, into that healing. And so I thought, well, I'm going to do literally that. So straight after the service, uh, rather than getting a bus back to my student digs, what I did was I walked a couple of miles home. But the problem was I couldn't walk very fast or very far at that point, I was in all sorts of pain. And actually, the consequences the next day meant that, yeah, I was in a lot of pain and it took some time to recover. So that was, that's clearly not a good example of how we should pray for healing for people. And that name it, claim it mentality, that comes from having a wrong view of what the kingdom of God looks like. So it comes from this sort of sense that the kingdom of God has, all, has already fully arrived. What we believe is, what the Bible says is, um, God is moving, uh, his kingdom is advancing, it's moving from a place of um, death and destruction, is moving the world into a place of light and life, but we're not fully there yet. So it means that when we pray for people, people don't always get healed there's still pain. There's still struggle around us. But be that as it may, the Bible does teach us to pray for healing, doesn't it? It does encourage uh, those who are sick to get prayer. So how should we do this? How should we do this? Well, hopefully we'll begin to answer that question later on in the, in the meeting. And as for me, as for the challenges of physical pain that I sometimes face, I know I am infinitely better, literally with a physical limp, sometimes, but with spiritual health, than the other way around. Uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 says, even though it feels like outwardly I'm wasting away, inwardly I know I'm being renewed. Praise God for that. And I know that one day, either on earth or in heaven, I will be fully restored. The pain will cease. The thorn in my flesh will be no more. So there's a little of my story. Let's look today at what the Bible says about physical well-being, including how we should treat our bodies, how we should pray for healing, and ultimately, what happens to our bodies when we die. So we're going to cover all sorts. <laughs> um, so please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. Okay, so what you need to know about this passage before we read it is that the original hearers of the message, 
they had the perspective that they were free to do anything they wanted. So uh, what they did with their uh, bodies, it didn't matter because it didn't affect them spiritually in any way. Okay? And it's really important whenever you read a passage to understand the original context. So you can take the original context, you can um, unpick it, and then you can apply it most helpfully to our context. But the good news for us here today is that actually, since the 1960s, in Western society at least, this culture of, look, I'm free to do anything I want, is actually pretty much what we see today. It's, It's what we see in society now. As a teenager in the 90s, We used to often sing with a Mancunian accent and a bit of swagger, uh, maybe. I won't do the Mancunian accent or the swagger, all sing, but I will say the lyrics. We used to sing, you know, I'm free to do whatever I, whatever I choose, and I'll sing the blues if I want. I was always more of a Blur fan and an Oasis fan, but I couldn't find appropriate lyrics for Blur, so there you go. And little has changed since the 90s in this respect, isn't it? It's still the prevailing worldview that I am, Whoever I say, I am. That's, that's the, that's the uh, worldview that we live in. And so it's with that backdrop that Paul writes these words. He says this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let me read that again. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Paul's argument here is that our bodies, they really matter. We're not just spiritual beings. The physical and the spiritual are intertwined. They're intertwined rather than separate. And by the way, as well as the physical and the spiritual, um, the other uh, dials, the other area of well-being that we're looking at in this book over the coming weeks, all of those dials, all of those areas are intertwined with one another. They affect each other. And in particular, in this passage, Paul particularly wants uh, us to see, the Corinthians to see, that firstly, our body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. Secondly, our life is the Lord's. And thirdly, a theme which comes through in this passage, but is actually through the whole of the book of Corinthians, that one day our bodies will be resurrected. So we're going to look at each of these areas now in turn, because in effect, they are their key motivators for any change we make in how we treat our bodies. Let's look at our body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So firstly, what does it mean to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? Well, in the Old Testament, uh, it says the Lord came to dwell with mankind, firstly in the Garden of Eden, and then in the tabernacle. So Exodus 25 verse 8 says, let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And then he dwelt in the temple. So one king says God's presence filled Solomon's temple. And, and a temple is a place of worship dedicated to the one true God or to other idols. And in much of Jewish, the Jewish story, the temple 
is the physical place where God dwelt. However, you read, don't you, throughout the Old Testament, the people of God, they repeatedly turned their back to God. They did their own things. They started worshipping other idols. And so eventually, it says that God's presence left the temple. However, because God loves the world and wants to bring us back into relationship with him, he came down in the person of Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, this is describing Jesus, the words became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So God came into our midst to face all of the limitations of being human And he did this to forgive us, to defeat sin, to bring us back into relationship with him, to empower us then to go on and tell other people about him. So Jesus was glorified, beating sin and death on a cross. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead. But it didn't stop there because from the day of Pentecost onwards, all those who are called by God are then inhabited and animated by his breath. What on earth does that mean? Well, what it means is this. We can live consciously aware of his presence, in submission to his guidance, obedient to his convictions, immersed in his thoughts, empowered by his power, and moved into actions by his prompting. That's what it means. So it means that we, as the church, and individually, we are the place where he dwells. We're the new temple, and our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's argument is, look, just as you wouldn't do anything to dishonor Solomon's temple, just like you wouldn't worship any idols or, or do anything to disrespect God there, let's not do anything to dishonor our bodies, because they are the place where he dwells. So this means what we do with our bodies, it matters because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Physical well-being is something that society is obsessed with, isn't it? Like we love the before and the after shot. shot. You know, running in the gym, dieting and Joe Witts, they are religious exercises for many people. And the problem with these things isn't the activity itself. Often the activity is actually quite good. The problem is the motivation behind the activity. So Paul's encouragement is, look, you should care about your body, however, not for aesthetic or self-improvement reasons, but because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So what we do with it matters. Eating rubbish all the time or drinking too much alcohol, or doing no exercise, it matters. Sets outside of marriage matters. Looking at porn, lustful thinking, it matters, because what we are doing is we're dishonoring the place where he dwells. And in the in passage we read, the Corinthians, they were motivated by their worldview that they're free to do whatever they like. They were sleeping with prostitutes, and Paul's argument isn't that sexual promiscuity is bad because it affects other human relationships, although pastorally that is 100% true, isn't it? You know, I've 
pastored and I've prayed and I've walked alongside with people who, because of infidelity, they're working through the heartbreak of fractured relationships. And God can heal those relationships. But when something like trust has been broken, it's tough and people don't always make it through. But Paul's not focusing on the human effect in this case. His argument is that fundamentally, it is a sin against God. It dishonors the place where he dwells. If we do things to dishonor our bodies, we're in effect, we're setting up idols rather than being a temple of worship to the one true God. And what that means is that often the fallout for us personally is it dulls us from experiencing God in all of his fullness. Have you, have you ever found that? Like with habitual sin or just, just stuff, just essentially crowding out God and you're unable to experience him properly. We suffer as a result. Therefore, we like the Corinthians, we're to honor God with our body. And the beautiful news in this passage is because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, he also motivates us. He, he helps shape us uh, to become more like Jesus. He becomes the source of our strength. He, he helps empower you and I to make positive choices throughout our lives, including with things like diet and exercise and relationship. So he is both the reason for the choices and he's the one who empowers us to bring them into fruition. That's why Jesus cares about our bodies. Our second motivation, and this one, this one is shorter, <laughs> our second motivation is to look after ourselves because our life is the Lord's. So it says in that passage we just read, look, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Do you know what this means? This means that you are not in control. You're not free to do whatever you want to do. And as countercultural and totally at odds with the I am whoever I say I am cultural narrative that goes on in society. This is actually such good news. If my kids were free to do whatever they wanted, I was thinking about this, I would probably find them doing something like binge-watching friends while shoveling Haribo into their mouth. That would be, their, that would be what they do. And for one episode, that, that's quite a fun thing to do. But it would actually have seriously detrimental effects on them if that's all they did, if that was their life. And as adults, we're not as good as we think we are at making healthy decisions. Our propensity is to instant gratification, or it's to our own self-interest. And if left to our own desires, ultimately what happens is we become slave, slaves to those desires. This means there is freedom from knowing that your life doesn't belong to you. There's freedom from knowing that having you don't have to define your own identity. Because first and foremost, if you are a follower of Jesus, your identity is in him. It's in him. You were made in his image. You were made to glorify and worship him. That's who you are. So God's got plans and purposes for you. And part of our responsibility is to look after ourselves so we can actually fulfill those plans and those purposes. The well-being book, which 
we are, it's a great accompaniment. We are being very loose in how we follow along with this, by the way. But there's, there's, um, they use a story um, of Elijah um, around 1 Kings 17 to 19. And Elijah, he was a, a prophet and he heard from God and he brought a message declaring that the Lord is God. And so he took a stand against the false prophets of, da- of Baal. Um, he took a stand against the evil and the injustice of his day. And in this story, God uh, helps Elijah. He looks after him. He looks after his physical needs um, so he can accompany this mission. And so God sends food delivered to him by Raven, which in effect is an ancient delivery. And um, he did this because it was necessary for Elijah to be healthy for the spiritual journey that Elijah had. Therefore, we are called to care for our physical well-being, to care for our physical bodies, because they are necessary for us to step into the plans and purposes that God has for each and every one of us. So dying early because of poor heart, because of poor health, because of a poor diet is not the plan that God has for each of our lives. And it's the same also. Um, for not being able to fully step into these purposes because of poor heart health or obesity or lung disease. God is calling each and every one of us through the local church to build his kingdom, and he's got plans and purposes for every single one of you. This is why Jesus cares about our bodies. And the final motivation that we get from the wider context of the passage is that one day our bodies will be resurrected. So this is a, a key theme that you read throughout the whole of Corinthians. A couple of verses before, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 14, I think it's coming up on the screen, it says, God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Or later on in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52, it says, the dead will be raised imperishable. So this is a core Christian belief, okay? This is uh, part of the Apostles' Creed. This is a statement of faith that many Christians have been reciting for over a thousand years. And the creed states that we believe in the resurrection of the body. But in spite of this, many Christians imagine their future hope in uh, disembodied terms, if you like. So I don't know what what people might think of, like spiritual beings. I, I... Whenever I think of this bit, I sort of end up flapping my hands. I don't really know why, but that's sort of, you know, on a cloud, ethereal, you know, all of that. But that is actually rubbish. That's not what the Bible says at all. We are going to be physically recognizable, made whole, and dwelling on a restored and a renewed earth. That's what the Bible says. So this means that God cares about our bodies and our mind as well as our soul. We're not just souls in heaven. We are physical beings on a renewed earth. And one day, either on earth or in eternity, each and every one of us is going to be made totally whole. We are. We're going to be made totally whole. This means that when we pray for people to be healed, we can pray in faith, knowing it will happen, And sometimes it happens now. Many people can testify to that. And sometimes it happens later. But ultimately, because of the cross, those who believe in Jesus 
will get fully raised and fully restored. There are many, many of us in the room um, who might have a physical limp, might have a physical ailment, might have a, a mental health challenge right now. And I'd love us to pray for people in a moment. We're going we're to go for it. And we're doing it because we are commanded to pray for the sick. And because Jesus cares about our bodies. Psalm 30 verse 2 says, Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. I called to you for help and you healed me. He cares and he heals. So, my dear friends, my church family, what are our next steps? Well, knowing that we are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells, that we've been bought by the blood of Jesus and that we are destined for eternity with him, we are going to use our bodies to glorify him and to proclaim his goodness until the day he returns and makes all things new. That's the plan that God has for us. And this means that making a positive lifestyle choice, it might help make you, make you feel better. So, for example, there is a scientific link between what you eat and um, how you feel mentally. You know, it might mean you live a longer, fuller, healthier life. But first and foremost, empowered and motivated by the Holy Spirit, we look after ourselves because it honours God. It honours God. It enables us to run the race that he has for us rather than crashing out or burning, burning out early. And for many of us, this might mean, might make might mean <laughs> making one change. So ask God right now, what, what could that change be for you? It's, we can't, humans, we can't handle too much at a time. So if God is prompting you, just do one thing. Let's have the band. Okay, what I'd love us to do is if, if possible, I'd love us all to stand, actually. I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to pray specifically for people who would like prayer, um, either for, um, for a physical or mental health challenge you face at the moment, or because you want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Let me just pray, and then we'll see what God does. Hmm. Yeah, Lord, thank you that not only did you um, uh, bring your son, Jesus, you died for us to bring us into relationship with you, but you've also empowered us by uh, us being your, uh, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit where you dwell and you work on our lives and you continue to restore us and make us more like you. And so we thank you so much for that, Lord. And we thank you that your kingdom is advancing. You're, you're bringing the world from a place of death into a place, place of life. And healing is part of that. And so, Lord, we, we come to you and we say, Lord, have your way uh, with us right now. Break in uh, into people's lives right now. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, for what you've already done in our lives. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm going to pray for people watching at home, actually, and then 
um, you guys. It will be time for you to leave, but um, yeah, I hope you have a great week. So Lord, I pray if there is anyone at home who physically uh, has challenges or mentally has challenges, Lord, just uh, heal them right now. Heal them right now. We want to hear testimony of people being healed through a live stream. Lord, you can do that. Uh, so, Lord, break into people's lives. Break into people's lives. Bring about your healing touch right now. Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you that you do it because you love us and you delight in us and you want to bring us into a fuller relationship with you. Lord Jesus, break in in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. We're done with the live stream. I'd love us now to pray for people in the room. So um, what we're going to do is this. I'd, I'd love people to respond by coming to the front. We'll make sure there's plenty of space. We've also got some masks um, either side. We've got some hand sanitizer because of current circumstances. And so as people start to come to the front, please, um, why don't you start coming now? If you want physical healing for anything, or if you want, um, if you want uh, healing for, for sort of any mental health challenges, or you want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, please come to the front. And whilst people come to the front, um, could you just be aware, we, we'll need plenty of people praying, could you just be aware of, um, of people in terms of distance? Um, if someone's wearing a mask, please automatically put on a mask so you can love and protect them as, as they respond. Um, ask simply one question, what would you like prayer for? And then that person just needs to give a one-sentence answer and then get praying. And as we always do, um, ask if, if uh, people mind having a hand on their shoulder. Don't worry if they, if they don't and they want you a bit more socially distant. So thank you to everyone who's responded so far. Um, please, could we have people to, to pray for these people? And we'll have guys with guys and girls with girls. Great. There's still time to respond as well if you want. <laughs>